You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello there, guys, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm again joined by Ben of Star Wars Timeline. Now, if you didn't tune in last week, please go back and check that out, because in part one, Ben speaks about why he started his channel, about moving from Russia to America, um, about mythology, about animation, and loads of other cool things there. And in this conversation, we kind of just turn it into a Dune slash Star Wars discussion. Now, if you haven't seen the newest or the old Dune movies or read the books or anything, that's completely fine. This conversation shouldn't spoil those things. There are some very light spoilers, mainly thematically, and then we talk very vaguely about one of the characters' journeys, but I don't find it would necessarily ruin Dune for you if you went and saw it after hearing our conversation. But if you want to go see Dune and you don't want a single touch of spoilers for anything at all, you want to go in completely blank, then maybe skip the first 10-50 minutes of this conversation. But after that, we then talk about Star Wars, Wars, uh, because obviously Ben's YouTube channel is a Star Wars YouTube channel, and one of my other shows, Star Wars Comics and Canon, that's a Star Wars YouTube show, unsurprisingly. Uh, so we talk about Star Wars quite a lot in this conversation specifically, and I want to add in here as well that I am just uploading the full conversation with video to YouTube. So if you want to hear it all in one go, and or if you want to see myself and Ben's lovely faces, uh, then make sure you check out my YouTube channel, the link to that is in the description, and please, if you have a YouTube account, subscribe to my YouTube channel, because then I can change the channel link from slash blah 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 to slash genuine chit chat but you can only do that with over 100 subscribers if you were a patreon supporter you already have access to this part one and part two conversation on the patreon exclusive feed and you got that when part one would have dropped and over christmas i'm going to release a few more afterthoughts which is the show i do with megan so if you want more information on that stick around at the end because i'll give more information for the plug then or just check out patreon.com slash genuine chit chat it would be a lovely end to 2021 if a few more of you guys became supporters but i appreciate it this time of year it's quite tight with money for some people so maybe January, we could uh, nudge that a little bit. But anyway, guys, I will not ramble on here any longer. So um, I really hope you guys enjoy part two of my conversation with Ben of Star Wars Timeline, and I'll be back at the end with more information on what's coming up in 2022 and that sort of thing. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. How's the film and the book sort of compare, the, the, mm-hmm. the newest film mm-hmm. and the book? Because I've, I've not read the book, to clarify, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, we, you and I, we spoke about it. And I, and I was actually super excited to talk about this topic with you. So I first started reading the book last year, and I dropped maybe like 30% to it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep on with it. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because obviously, I was aware of the book for, for many, many years. And I wanted to read it, because my reading list is so long. I'm like, oh, man, come on, Ben. Like, the movie's about to come out. Don't slack off. Read the book <laughs> now, right? So I jumped on it, and I was in the middle of other Star Wars books and stuff like this and doing my channel and everything like that. So I kind of abandoned it because my initial response was, it's a solid book, has a lot of things to say, but it's so mundane. It's like, not mm-hmm. mundane. It's so it's a, it's a sludge, but it's like, it's, it's very slow paced in the beginning. It is very layered with, with setups, right? And a lot of the setups are not mechanical in a way that the story needs to function later on. A lot of the setup is psychology and spirituality. Mm. And it's not, uh, um, on the surface. It's, it's, you got to dig for it, but it's all there. I assure you. And so the first read was very slow. I put it down. I said, maybe I'm not in the mood. Maybe I'm not in the proper set of mind. And that's something that I would later on would love to talk to you about, maybe in my podcast, about the the High Republic and where it's heading. Hmm. But 
That's how I felt my first encounter with the book. I put it down. I was not impressed, to be honest with you. I just knew that I'm dealing with something that is a must read. It's almost like watching like a Clockwork Orange, right? Your mm. famous, famous uh, British movie that I felt that it's not something that I enjoyed watching, but is an absolute must watch. It's, mm-hmm. it has an absolutely rightful place in the context of like, and you know, cultural, uh, the culture of cinema in general. It's a very important film to see, but is it enjoyable? Not for me. It's you don't watch it for entertainment value. You watch it because it's important. It's such a powerful message. It's like it's oh my god, right? Same with this book. There's something layered in it that I must read. I must investigate. Mm-hmm. So this year I come into it and I say, well, all right, I'm in a different mindset now. My 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 schedule is completely free. Here's this book in front of me. Let me read it now. And when I read it, I was completely blown away. It it lived up to every expectation and hype that I was hearing surrounding the book and i'm not going to say that it's better or worse than the movie it's more nuanced Mm. it has i always felt that the way you experience story through the book it can't be replicated not in audiobook not in film different parts of your brain are engaged you set up scenes differently you you and especially if the author is an expert and he knows how to create text where he reveals only so much to the reader that the rest you have to sort of fulfill and, and fill all the gaps yourself. That's what makes an interesting reader. And then you have a billion questions you want to ask uh, the author and he'll never give you an, an answer. Mm-hmm. He'll say, well, it's up to you. Who am I to tell you how to interpret my story? That's what the Dune book is. And what the movie expertly does is not having tons of dialogue or overbearing with information. It gives you this amazing landscape, visual landscape, and a couple of key scenes that bind the story together and a lot of stuff in between, which is not void. It's not empty. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Valhalla Rising, which was basically an exercise in beautiful cinematography. That's all it was. Mad Mikkelsen is in it, and the rest of the movie is just empty. It's about nothing. It was a waste of my time, right? <laughs> so, so, so the the Dune movie is polar opposite of that. It's filled with stuff, and if you want to question or ask what the stuff is, well, it's in the book. Hmm. And I I thought that the uh, Villeneuve was very conscious of doing that. Hmm. I see. Yeah, because I, I found that one of the things with the movie Dune that I found because I'd not read the book, I've not seen the old film. I knew very yeah. little about it really. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew it had an influence on uh, Star Wars, and I've listened to you talk about it on certain elements and things as well, and a couple of other friends of mine who uh, read the books or saw the old film. Yeah, and I was very impressed by how much it was like Star Wars in the right ways but how it still felt completely unique. Mm-hmm. I found that it could simultaneously fit in the Star Wars universe while so? also while also being a completely separate entity. Well, because their interpretation of, you know, it's in Star Wars, it's the Force. You know, mm-hmm. in this, I can't remember what they call it, but it's the, the voice. The voice, you know. Yeah, and right. a lot of the, if you, if you just changed out characters in this movie to Star Wars characters, 90% of what happens is believable to happen on an isolated planet somewhere in the Star Wars universe. If you said, look, it was near mm. the outer, you know, where the Chiss are at at the moment, there's some sort of weird space stuff going on. There's right. like this crazy black hole thing that's like a force, um, some sort of uh, 
force transvergence or something transvergence mm-hmm. or something in the force but in the rea- in like the reality of the universe and there's mm-hmm. this planet that's near it and you said this is what actually happened in star wars they're going to go out and you know go into the uni- galaxy and it turns out it's a certain amount of time yeah. before or after that could work i don't want it to and that's not what i wanted from it but i felt like it had the right amount of depth in its lore and the right amount of things like the the ship design the, the with the wings is absolutely incredible that they look like the omnithopters yeah 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 i, th- oh, I love as soon as i saw them i was like, mm-hmm. i love the aesthetic i love dirty sci-fi i thought that the every character felt like a like a person like you know it yeah. wasn't too over the top i really enjoyed the performances i like the visual cues i do like you know lots of elements of it and i thought that I can easily see this becoming its own franchise. And I feel like if that film got released in 1977 instead of Star Wars, I would not be surprised if we, if, if we would almost be talking in the way we are about Star Wars about Dune. There'd be more yeah, Dune. That's books. a great point. I, I know there's like nine Dune or pl- plus Dune books, but I know the first two and a half were by the original author. He died and then his son carried on the legacy. But like, the I think what we're going to see with June, we're going to see sequels, we're going to see uh, series, we're going to see other stuff as Mike, well. Mike, just to clarify, what you're yeah. saying is that you see the Dune story taking place in the Star Wars universe. You're not saying that the movie imitates or emulates Star Wars uh, storyline or vice versa. I, I'm saying that although it is its own thing and it's in its yeah. own universe that's got enough weight to it to carry its own universe completely its own thing, I'm saying that there are elements within it that are elements I enjoy about Star Wars where I feel like it could fit in there. Because Star Wars, and it's I a like, good, it's a good thing. That's what you yeah, said. The, yeah, it's okay. not bad at all. It's it's not okay. a negative thing. I, mm-hmm. I I was very pleasantly surprised about how you can have a film which to me felt like it was it had so many similarities with Star Wars while completely standing on its own two feet. It mm-hmm. there was no point where I like there were points where I was like, oh, I see that Star Wars used this elements from the book and kind of translated it, and I feel like in an alternate universe yeah dune could have taken the place of star wars and i feel yeah. like the path they go in the because because the thing is with dune one thing i will say about it is the first half of the film is heavy not in a sense of negative things necessarily happening there's just a lot of things to understand you know Set up, yeah. yeah and it's good mm-hmm. i really once you get to the halfway sort of mark and everything starts to kind of uh come out and kind of connect with each other and things it all becomes so the payoff is really is great yeah but it does take a while to get into it but just the amount of lore in it and that's one of the things i love my favorite thing about star wars is the lore is just that there's it's just it's in this galaxy far far away you know and it's just this magical place where people basically have magic powers and technology is all crazy and amazing but not everyone but it's not paradise that's it it's just here is an alternate version of re, of <clears> life <throat> in essence and i just think june i could watch as long as the quality stays well i could watch several films of either the same characters just on the planet or if they venture out to see what the rest of this galaxy is about yeah also would make a phenomenal i think open world video game because uh Mm. in a video game you don't want to be barraged by cinematics you want to experience the world and aesthetically dune is the sort of book that has bursts of action and then the rest of kind of like you almost don't read it you live in it like mm-hmm. you are in the scene you are in this dune desert you are like the 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 place itself is a character in a way and that's kind of what you do in a video game especially games like tomb raider right you jump in it and you have a cinematic in the beginning of the game and the rest of the story you make mm-hmm. by experiencing the world around you 
Yeah, I feel like a game like Breath of the Wild, um, which is a game I adore, like the big free roam sort of just, you, yeah. know, you say open world, it's, it's the same uh, sort of thing. It's just, yeah, just here's a bit of cinema and then you get like mini cutscenes when you do stuff, but there's no specific order. You don't have to do this thing or that thing. And I think that that, that could work very well. And like if they released, like, have, you, have you read any of the sequel books of Dune? I'm on the second book right now, Dune Messiah. I see. So how, do you know much about the structure of them? Is it like, like I, I don't want spoilers of the, the second book necessarily, but how, how much do you know about the the way they go? Is it like, does the universe expand and things? I know some of them. So what prequels. seems to happen, what seems to happen, Kevin J. Anderson, the one who takes the duties of writing the later novels, he's a famous uh, Star Wars uh, author, and he makes a whole bunch of other, he's one of the most like famous sci-fi fantasy writers working in the industry right now. But he, he takes on later on expanding and growing the universe. But I think the immediate consequent books, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, Frank Herbert writes the first six books. And then okay. the rest are written by his son. And later on, his son supervises Kevin, uh, Kevin J. Anderson. They kind of like collaborate together. But it seems like in the immediate future books is A, book two, kind of takes this character of Paul Atreides, which we basically see his... Well, you haven't seen it in the second half of the first book, which is the second movie coming, but you see basically him actualizing himself as a, as a young man, as basically taking full reign of his destiny. Mm. And in the second book, he, uh, the author twists the character on his head. It's almost a TLJ scenario where he takes the character that you knew and love for his accomplishments in this first book, and he examines him later on in his life. But it's done very, very consciously and by the same single mind who created the original Dune book because he dared to ask the question, will your hero that you riled behind and waged this holy war, the jihad, right, that you see in the first half of the film, is it going to be the same person when he's touched with this, this kind of power? Hmm. What's going to happen to him psychologically and mentally and, and spiritually 20 years from now. Mm. And a lot of fans criticize that second book. I know that for a fact. There's a lot of, there's a huge following of Dune fans that wrote a lot of uh, letters to Frank Herbert and saying, what, what are you doing? That's not the hero that we, we came to see. That's what he's doing. And later books also address each house of these factions. Mm. It's almost like Game of Thrones where it throws all the houses, pits them against one another. Consequent Dune books explore each house in detail. Mm, I see. I see. So there's plenty of room for filmmakers and series showrunners to be able to make a ton of Dune content. And yeah. I'm sure that there's, I think there have been rumors at least of a series being made. Obviously, the second film's already been green. The Ben Gesserit uh, series. I think, was it confirmed or is it a rumor? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I've, mm. I've heard people in passing mention it but i haven't seen anything yeah. about it hence why i've said rumor because i can't confirm i don't want to tell people yeah it's definitely green lighted and then there's nothing <laughs> on the internet about it yeah um but yeah i, I thoroughly enjoyed june I, I really really liked it um i'm I glad think, you liked it man. yeah my only critique of it really is and it's it's a minor gripe is just that they could have probably shaved five or ten minutes off on the basis that I know films do this to be cinematic and get you to feel the universe but there were just a few too many shots and the revenant does this a lot of it was just like the person standing there and staring and then you see the sunset and mm-hmm. then you see the desert and it's like i get you're setting the scene i get you're in the universe and stuff you're doing the world but i don't need 18 different shots of the desert you know 10 will I do 
you I know, it's, and there was one specific bit I remember where uh, Timothy Chalamet, who plays the main character Paul, and you know he's standing there and he's starting to self-actualize, and he stands and he stares at the sunset. I was like, oh, that's quite a cool shot. And then it lasts mm-hmm. about eight seconds, and then it cuts, and then you just see him from behind him looking at the sun for about five seconds, and I'm like. This is like 15, 20 seconds of this dude staring at the sun. Like three seconds would have been fine. I, I get the, I don't need this long to see him realizing this. You know, Timothy Chalamet is such a good actor. You can see it in his face like that. So it's, that was my minor gripe, but that doesn't, I feel, take away from the film at all. It's, it's just one of those minor things. I think every, for that being my main critique, that every now and then the camera lingers a bit too long shows that how a film that's, you know, two and a half hour, two and a half plus hours long, and has so much in it and that's my main critique it just shows it's it's a really great film and anyone who enjoys star wars i really recommend watching it because it's, it's funny that you brought great. it when the way you describe these longer shots that's how the book felt mm. the book felt like and it feels like again he is he forces you to follow him on this journey mm. and he just has these moments where he hits pause deliberately mm. so but i never felt like it was a dull moment to me when i when i saw that uh, cinema uh, screen like in the cinema and me having the benefit of reading the book and having all that context mm. and the music just like blasting you in the face i was like i was revering every moment my pulse quickened i had like goosebumps i was oh man it was such an experience yeah most people i know who read the book say that you know it's one of those things where the film because of the the sheer amount of depth there is in the book it makes the film better. And a lot of people say that uh, similarly with like Lord of the Rings, which once again, I've not read the Lord of the Rings books, um, but I know that although the films are held in very high regard from pretty much everyone I know who enjoys the books loves the film as well. They're like, they're such a good adaptation. They're phenomenal. They did all the characters pretty well. We, if, ignoring the Hobbit films, which I still think are great, but there's some issues there. But just me talking about the Lord of the Rings films. I disagree, really, sir. I love the Hobbit films. I, I love <laughs> I know, Hobbit I'm and the, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, I, I say it was basically my imitation. I, yeah. I tapped into my inner method acting and I <laughs> basically <laughs> imitated a Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But with like Lord of the Rings and things, I know that there's, I think it's character Tom Bombadil and there's like loads of threads in the story. And that's obviously there's the three main Lord of the Rings books. Then there's the Simarion or something yeah, like that. And something else. And they're, they're all just pretty much law books. And mm-hmm. they're talking about like the um, the times before and all that sort of thing. And they say like, we understand that couldn't have been in the book in the films the films extended editions i think return of the king is like four and a half hours long an extended edition yeah. is amazing but i only yeah, watched the extended editions like last year due to the lockdown me and megan had some time i took a bit of time off work and over a week we watched the three well no we watched all six the hobbit for well, the first time um, i've seen all the films before uh, no but extended editions, edition specifically but first time extended it was megan's first wow. time watching all the films in one go she'd seen a couple um but we it, and i loved the extended editions i'd seen fellowship extended before uh, and one of the hobbits extended there's like seven extra minutes but Mm -hmm. what people say about lord of the rings and including extended editions is just that yeah you get so much of it but the things that weren't included it would take so much time to explain that and to be able to visualize on screen and to something that doesn't necessarily have a payoff it's just part of the Mm -hmm. world you know tom bombadil Mm -hmm. isn't in the films because he doesn't have as much of an impact in in the way they've made the films as certain other characters would so I feel like with Dune, is that an accurate sort of description of or parallel to draw with Dune in the film? 
You know, it's surprisingly for one important scene, which they left off in that first part, which mm. I can describe to you. I mean, you saw the first part. It's not yeah. a, a shock to anyone who saw the movie that I felt was should have been in the film. Mm. Even that does, doesn't distract from the overall story because the, you know, the artist, the filmmaker is aware of our time. And then we, we need, you need a reward even at the end of the film that is advertising itself as the, Chapter one, mm. right? Uh, there's one scene in the book where when uh, Leto Atreides arrives to Arrakis, uh, they get this mansion. And in this mansion, he wants to start appraising the kind of folks that he's surrounded by. He wants to appraise what kind of danger that he is to gauge them, which ones he can bribe, which ones he can manipulate, which ones he should be cautious of. And he invites the members of every house to this party and they have this feast. And they talk, and he kind of analyzes what's happening there. I felt it was a crucial scene, not only for world building, but to understand who this little Atreides is, hmm. what the Atreides house stands for. And later, when all the manipulation and betrayals and backstabbing starts happening, you have a more clear, complete picture of the inner workings of this empire. Or what's mm. happening. And I, uh, you could clearly tell he did it. He reveres the source material because each scene is recreated A, respectfully, and B, I love when a filmmaker puts his own flair to the original work. Mm. When he doesn't replicate what's in the book on screen because it's just carbon copy. He wants to see that. He puts his own spin on it, his own language, his own aesthetic, his own point of view. Mm. Right? Uh, Everything is done perfectly, except for that one scene. I felt like, I understand what you're doing. But once again, this is why you want to have both movie and the book. And you can enjoy both on different terms. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's good to have the, the sort of the media. And one thing I really appreciate with modern day and what I'm very grateful for, you know, as well as all the other layers of privilege in my life i'm happy to be born and to be alive in this era because where modern technology is so good with filmmaking <laughs> and things there are things in sci-fi where even with the movies from like you know terminator 2 is a good example where the cgi in that is still to this day absolutely fantastic it but is it's this because it's hyper focused on you've got the uh, physical effects of arnold schwarzenegger's um face when it kind of comes off but the primary thing is it's um oh my god i've just forgotten his name uh the, the robert patrick i think it is the guy who plays the 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 mad the bait the bad guy in terminator 2 with the the liquid metal thing like he's the main one which is the the cgi is about and because it's i'm googling right now i'm listening to you michael and i'm googling okay? <laughs> i should be doing that because i'm the host but um is it robert patrick, robert patrick yeah. i was right cool um so him and he's the t2000 i think him mm -hmm. being the liquid metal and stuff because James Cameron hyper-focused on that CGI element of it, that it looks so good. Whereas with a lot of sort of sci-fi films like Star Wars and like um, Dune and things like that, when you don't have technology to be able to do the budget, that you, to, to be able to do these unfathomably massive things and make it all work perfectly in budget and all these things, it's just, it's not always feasible. And one of the reasons, yeah. you know, the original trilogy of Star Wars did so well is because there's so much physical effects that it, it it doesn't age in the same way. You know, physical effects, if it looked real, for for the most part, you get some really old horror films with like, you know, 
the giant ants and things like that you know they're a bit much but generally speaking when you get the right amount of physical effects and things you get it with uh, some of the old school sort of jim henson movies like labyrinth and dark crystal and stuff like they still hold up because it looks real but the problem is with cg is when you've got computer generated components if it's not on point it ages so quickly and you even get special films editions the man star wars special editions i still can't get over it that musical number that return of the jedi that job of the hut <laughs> in episode four holy christ man like what are, what are you thinking <laughs> like i understand clearing the alpha channels of those tie fighters and the shit i get it i i get that the you know, attack on the first Death Star is is you know done at bare minimum cost, hmm. and later on CGI effects kind of sort of completed. But like the rest of it is just to add to what you're saying, when practical effects are done really well and cleverly, movies from 60s and 70s hold up well. One oh, of the yeah. movies that I grew up with actually by Wolfgang Peterson, Enemy Mine. Have I've you ever seen, seen it with with Dennis Quaid? It, hmm. it came out in 1985. It was one of the first American sci-fi films which I saw in theater. An American film, fully dubbed, and it blew me the freak away, man. It was amazing, amazing movie. It's very much in vein of Star Wars. It's, you have starships and all the things happening, and you have this American pilot fighting these alien species, crash landing on the same planet as one alien who shot him down. And he basically adventure on this planet, and two enemies become friends like brothers. Hmm. The special effects in that, first of all, it's Wolfgang Peterson. You know, his name should be known to any film film watcher. But that film had CGI, not CGI, practical effects so well done. It's so well thought out. Like I recently picked up a European version of that Blu-ray because I enjoy collecting, uh, collecting physical Blu-rays. You look at that stuff, I'm like, man, it's, it still looks wonderful today. It's something that CG even today can't replace. It's diff- I'm not trying to sound like purists. You look at Rogue <laughs> One. And it looks phenomenal. Nothing in it you could identify as CG even. Hmm. But it's, it's a certain beauty when you look at the craftsmanship and you realize that it is an effect, but it still holds up so well. It's so eloquently done. I love looking at stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's it's one of those things I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, Scott, about sort of old school sci-fi and how there's so much imagination and so much... Well, it, imagination is probably the best way to put it. Is just that in a lot of the artistry, yeah, and in the early 1900s, when you had a lot of these sci-fi things being written, it was a lot of the stuff was like people were unable to comprehend it. You know, a good mm-hmm. example of that was like H.P. Lovecraft, where you used the word incomprehensible quite a lot. Um, but like that sort of thought, and then as technology has gotten so much better, and we get to these things, we're getting like more audiences are getting to experience these things, but they yeah. are all still, as you said earlier, interpretations. And that's one of the things about whenever a film becomes a film comes from a book is just that, you know, Lord of the Rings of Peter Jackson, he, I don't know how many directors would have been able to do a job that was so universally appreciated. You know, there's so few films that come out. I think Harry Potter is probably one of the only other ones that I can think of, which are still, for the most part, amazing. There's parts mm-hmm. they left out, but those two film series come from books and they did a stellar job. But there are so many other films that come out of books which they've just focused on the wrong thing. You know, some people read dialogue and if they think, oh, this works part like partly as a comedy they might start writing it as a comedy and the execs come in and go oh it's kind of a comedy thing okay let's push harder on the comedy and by the time the film comes out it's like this is like a nearly a comedy film when the original source material at least from other people's or the majority of people's perspectives was seen as not funny at all it was completely serious and it's things like that of 
a mix of not only budgetary constraints and actors that you get and directors, but also, as you said earlier, the film studios and things, which have, you know, they put ingredients into this mix that come out with the final product. And it's quite rare for to have something that is so massive, like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or Dune, yeah. and make it work well. And when it does and it lands, it's just such a, it's an incredible thing to witness. Yeah, man, it's a gift. When you get something like, I'm also so hyped about the future uh, James Cameron Avatar movies. I'm such a fan of the original. Mm. It's like, it's a gift to, my, I took my parents to see Avatar and they were like having these 3D glasses, like taking them off like kids in kindergarten, like waving at the screen, like, dad, what are you doing? Like, put your hand back. Like, I was like embarrassed. My dad was like, this looks real, man. My father is like the guy who put me on Star Wars. He put me on science fiction. He's still very much a kid. I show him any Marvel movie today. He's like, he's like, I can't believe they make movies like this. He like, he eats it all up indiscriminately to him it's like he doesn't care what the critics say he's like you are in movies out i gotta watch it (laughs) you know yeah exactly yeah and so i want to ask as well as we kind of lean into star wars and things i want to ask what is your favorite way to consume content so in a sense of if we speak about say sci-fi as an example like is your favorite books is it movies is it tv series comics like do you have a preferred medium like if, if someone came to you and said well no i'll 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 ask about star wars specifically in a bit but if i just talk about general things that you like to consume content in what is there a favorite of yours uh books and movies i would say mm-hmm. uh i play a tons of video games more so than i watch shows mm. but my father tricked me into reading books in a very clever way the first book i ever read was treasure island mm, yeah and the way that i read it uh, so our father he brought us this world classics library for kids which was illustrated with amazing leather binding and he put it all on the shelf in our room and it just sat there he never said i'll give you a treat if you read this book or do that smart boys must meet that was the school's job they gave us like 10 15 books or 20 books sometimes they had to read during a summer recess right but the way that my father did it he left the treasure island on my desk in my room one summer and i came off from playing soccer with my friends i'm like what's this book doing here i didn't take it out i gotta put it back on the shelf at the moment i grabbed it i was like hold on a second there's pirates in it what's this picture and one, once you start reading i got into the habit of reading like world classic around the world in 80 days jungle book all that stuff there's a certain quality about books and a certain interaction that you have with it is so intimate hmm. where where when the imagery is not providing provided for you and that also translated very well when i started reading in english because it's the same experience amplified because in english when you don't understand 40 percent of vocabulary you either become frustrated or the other avenue is to fulfill that stuff that you don't understand with your imagination Mm -hmm. i misinterpreted a lot of star wars character names I misinterpreted a lot of scenes, a lot of sci-fi that I read. I couldn't even understand the description of a space battle. It was hard. It's hard even for me today to read all that scientific jargon or like a space pilot uh, jocks, like different terminology. That is difficult for me to grasp what's happening in 3D. But the beauty of it is that you can set aside what the original intent is. So you're not frustrated and recreate it in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think each author's each successful prolific author's task is to give to like to light that 
candle in darkness to give you just enough light to be surrounded by magic. And one example I love to bring is when you say, what is your favorite thing to experience, whether it's a movie or book or video game, it's clearly literature. I'll tell you why. When I came to the United States with the knowledge of Conan the Barbarian only through Arnold Schwarzenegger film, I thought that was all to it. A big muscle meathead dude, you know, swiveling his sword and making for one of the most interesting adventure films in Hollywood. And then I come across the books, right? The short stories of Robert E. Howard. And I said, oh, wait a second. It's a swashbuckling character that came from 30s. Let me read these cheesy adventures and see what it's all going to be about. And I read my first short story of Conan the Barbarian. And it's not at all what I expected it to be. It is not swashbuckling, womanizing, dumb comic book brood who just kicks ass. Robert E. Howard is a master of the short form, hmm. right? He's right there with Edgar Allan Poe. And what Robert E. Howard managed to do is literally through one paragraph of his short story, you're transported into his world. And nothing can replicate that. It's not movies, not video games. Something magical happens. Like you, I could read that on a train and not hear all the noise, all the people bickering with one another. That's the power of literature. Like you start interacting with text in such a way, it's magically, it's unreal, man. Yeah, I agree. Because like even when I was younger and things, I um I used to read all the time, and I used to be I had a a light that was a, a globe. So it was and I so my geography used to be when I was young very well because I had a globe right next to my bed and I had the, mm-hmm. the light on so it glowed up at night. Uh, and I used to read late at night and then when i heard my parents going to bed i turn the light off wait for them to go to sleep and then turn the light back on and read again and i'd fall asleep with the light on around the top of the globe where the the plastic bit kind of connected in it started to melt because mm-hmm. it, it was left on overnight for so long and things and i remember i was reading i was so passionate about it and things and then i went i went to college and things and then got a you know, a job and moved out and that sort of thing and i stopped reading for quite a while it was several years actually and then the reason I started reading Star Wars comics is because a friend of mine uh, bought me a couple of variant covers of the first Dr. Aphra issues. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Dr. Aphra, I've not heard of this Star Wars character. I've seen all the films and I'd watched um, all of Clone Wars and all of Rebels. And I think this this was before The Mandalorian had come out, but it was announced and things. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I've been getting into Star Wars a bit more recently. So I'll read the comics. I haven't got into those. Uh, and... So I bought Dr. Aphra and then they cross over with Star Wars and then, you know, they cross over with Darth Vader and all sorts of other things. And it became a thing where it all interconnected. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start reading the Star Wars books again. And when I started picking them up, I blitzed through them. Like before I had the Star Wars podcast, uh, where now I have to read, you know, a comic uh, or batch of comics every week and then, you know, make notes about that and then record and release it. Before all my time was taken up by podcasting, basically, I would get, I would just go to bed, and then for two hours straight, just read. And I, whenever I'd get a free moment, if Megan was out or something, I would just read. And I read through loads of Star Wars books from doing that, mainly some Claudia Gray books and things. And then I've been getting into the High Republic again recently. And I haven't been as excited for a book as I have been for some of the adult High Republic novels, as I have been maybe my whole life because even when i was a kid i used to read really random things there was a couple of like sci-fi stories that was about like artificial intelligence i think it's called eager mm-hmm. but then i'd also read like zombie novels and things i read one which was quite cool called empire and it was about a zombie apocalypse happening but then death the grim reaper was stuck on earth and he had to but he couldn't 
kill anyone. He, he could you know, kill zombies, but they weren't truly dead, so he wasn't I've heard fulfilling of this anything. Book, yeah. mm-hmm. It's cracking. It's a really cool book. And mm-hmm. so, and I read some sci-fi spy books. I read all kinds of varied things, but like, no more in a franchise. And I always say this on my show: is the reason I love Star Wars more than anything is twofold: is because of nostalgia, because it's connected with my late dad, who obviously passed away, and mm-hmm. I have the the original six. I used to always watch him, and he used to buy me, you know, uh, like Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, my favorite Star Wars game ever, one of my favorite games ever. He bought me that and I'd never even heard of it. He was like, oh, you know, I saw reviews for this. I know you love Star Wars, this sort of thing. And there's lots of games. Star Wars Bounty Hunter is another one. And lots of Star Wars games I got, especially when I was a lot younger and couldn't buy games, he would get for me because he'd look up reviews and get that. So this underlying Star Wars love was there. While simultaneously, you feel rewarded as an individual. And I think we spoke about this on your podcast. And it's that when, especially with the new canon and things, where it's got like... If you read all these things, you don't have to. You can you can consume as much or as little Star Wars as you want. You can just watch the films, and that's completely fine. You can watch the films yeah. in the series. That's fine. And the more you read, the more depth certain elements of stories become, and it builds this whole universe. So even though I'm reading High Republic books set 200 plus years before um, the Skywalker saga, there's still threads that connect, but then they also intertwine to the High Republic era, and it yeah. links back in with that mythology where it's like, Star Wars is often described as like a space mythology. And it's just because there is, it, you can do almost anything with it. And that's the genius of Star Wars. That's one of the things where lightning in a bottle is the term I've heard you use and many others use. It's just that yeah. with what George Lucas managed to do with the films and then with Legends, you know, Timothy's on, especially when he did um, Ed to the Empire and things. When all that sort of happened, you've got these mythological movies then you've also got these books that reinforce this mythological story. And now you've, and also you had the comics at the time as well to add another element of it. And so now it's just like with audio dramas and everything, in av- every facet of media consumption, you can consume Star Wars. And if, whether it's in a little way, a word here and there, or if it's in a big way, it connects to the rest of this modern mythology. And I yeah. think that's some of the beauty of it. And I think books hugely push that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, just to clarify, so Star Wars got you into comic book reading. You haven't read comics before. I had read comics before, but not as much as I do now. So mm-hmm. I read when I was younger. The first one, I first comics I ever read was Marvel Zombies mm-hmm. um, when I was probably about twelve. Um, I'd like I, I, video games is how I got into comic book characters. So I already loved Spider Man, Venom, Daredevil, like all, all these sort of things, and the X Men and stuff like that yeah. because I'd watch the X Men animated show, the Spider Man cartoon. And then um, mainly played video games and lots of them cross over and do all that sort of stuff before licensing was such a thing. They could just pop up in each other's uh, content and games. And so I read Marvel Zombies and I read like a handful of other comics here and there. I used to always read something called The Beano uh, and a little bit called The Dandy. And The Beano is like this, it's got Dennis the Menace in it, which is probably the most famous thing. And then there's <clears> Roger the Dodger and loads of other silly characters. And... I used to read that a lot in Garfield, quite a lot of things when I was younger. And then once again, I, I started reading books. I went off comics. I never really read a lot of comics when I was younger. Read a bit of Marvel Zombies, read a few bits and pieces here and there. And then once I got into the Star Wars comics and got my Star Wars podcast and connected with the guys in Comics in Motion, you know, some of them are massive Batman fans. They're like, okay, here's the 10 essential Batman reads. And some of them are like, well, here's some indie comics that are really good that you're really yeah. going to love. Oh, and here's some more stuff. Oh, there's a Marvel character called Moon Knight who's really cool. Why don't you read some of this? Oh, there's a series that's just been announced about that. So there's all these threads that have come together. So now I'm trying to read, and obviously Alan Moore, you know, the Miracle Man yeah. books as well. That's and a big like one. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's so many, and Neil Gaiman's obviously written like Sandman and things, which is what I'm starting to read at the moment. So there's so many different parts of it. And comics, because of my mate just buying me 
some variant covers of Star Wars because I like Star Wars. He started off my second podcast. I've read every Star Wars canon comic now um, that isn't that is in Marvel. I haven't read all of IDW's, and I have the only one I haven't read yet is Poe Dameron series, which I'll be doing this in 2022 and i'll be completely up to date with that and i'm trying to read and consume all canon content it's just the books now because there's so many coming out i can't wait (laughs) i i will be i will be like you know the spanish inquisition on top of you after you finish your your canon reading i can't wait for you to begin to read the dark horse era star wars comic books and us talking about it Mm, i've read a bit of rogue squadron but i can't I can't picture what what the just. I want to see the expression on your face. I was like, oh, Ben, I read the Knights of the Old Republic comic. We need to talk about this. Here's another podcast. Like, I want to see your expression on your face after you read that. Like, I'm very curious to see what you're gonna think. Yeah, because Knights of the Old Republic. Like, I'm very, I am very excited for Canon to eventually tackle the Old Republic stuff, which I think when they're finished with the High Republic era they're probably going to do another jump and then another jump or they're going to start with movie a movie first and then they'll kind of expand around that but like old republic stuff like i've heard a lot about it and i've got the book of the sith the legends book which is you know just a culmination of bits and pieces of the the general sith history which i really right. like um and i've been listening to shatterpoint as well which is excellent i really enjoy that and legend was something originally if you'd have asked me a year plus a year or so ago i was like nope just want to read canon just want everything that kind of in air quotes matters and then, you know, all the video game stuff that I knew from Star Wars, though that's all legends, especially Starkiller from The Force Unleashed and things. Yeah. And then as I've kind of caught up somewhat with the canon, for the most part, the the majority of canon books I haven't read now are like specific character books that I'm not as interested in. I've heard good things about some of them, but like there's Tarkin, there's Phasma, um, there's a few others. I mean, there's things like the Force Collector that I'm quite interested by that I've got, and I want to read the certain point of view Empire Strikes Back. But because I've got Audible now, where there's so many legends things on there and where they're bringing out all those lovely new legends books as well that yeah. i'm I, I love the look of uh, so many of them it's like well i want to get into the rule of two i want to get into you know I, i've heard the story of revan and things from you know the old republic games and things and i want to delve more into that so with legends there are so many more things where so many of them still fit into the canon like yeah. even like yeah. even shatterpoint apart from i know the ending uh, but apart from what happens with one of the main characters in that that couldn't happen because of you know, rebels and things. Yeah. If you just change that, if you just change that per- that character's name and just said Mace has got a different uh, apprentice, he had two. Yeah. That the whole of that story basically could work. So I kind of in my ho- own head, I'm kind of like, I like you can thing. make it work. You're the end user. I always say to my listeners is that what does it matter, canon or or legends it's as real as you want it to be it's all fiction it's like you can do you read marvel books do you understand the concept of parallel universes that's what it is and the main argument is always like well no they discontinued not telling more stories i'm like look everything must run its course at one point one thing ends and another one follows guess what it's one of the biggest themes in star wars you must learn to let go i love this stuff to pieces man it's like Star Wars is books got me through the darkest times of my life, right? Literally. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean it like when I say it, it, it's it's time to put it on the shelf and like, okay, let this stuff exist here. This is part of my life was very important to me. I'll cherish it. But now let's enjoy all this new stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And in that theme as well, I want to ask like with your, uh, your YouTube channel. So which I yeah. recommend to everyone and things. Um, and 
it's it's a lot of fun being on there and listening too. What made you start the YouTube channel uh, in particular? I know it was well. Tell people how long ago it was and what was kind of the reason that you kind of went one day. I'm I'm going to start a Star Wars YouTube channel. So it's literally, literally turning one year this December. I started mm. last year. I should have started two years ago, just when the pandemic started. I was like at home, not working, depressed, not using my graphic design skills too effectively. But anyway, I started last year along with my younger brother who did started with his uh, gaming channel that he kind of like abandoned it, went into heavy metal reactions, and I started doing Star Wars. And the main reason was I just got sick and tired of people talking crazy shit online about Star Wars. <laughs> Legends this, you know, canon that. It's like the one thing that pisses me off, it's like, and I don't mean to sound like a gatekeeper, like who knows it all, who like for some reason has some kind of like staple ownership of this franchise that other younger people don't just because I read it for 20 plus years. But you have these younger schmucks coming into these discussions who barely read past maybe five or 10 books. like, well, Legends was better because of this. And they, they don't seem to have a grasp of what they're talking about. That, that, you know, the older Star Wars books, yes, they were loosely based on one common concept of, of continuity and canonical kind of like uh, uh, timeline of events. And George Lucas kind of supervised and, and then he would extrapolate things from it and retailer it and put it into something like Clone Wars to make it his own. So there was always a, an understanding of George Lucas saying in plain English, Look, there's my Star Wars, there's stuff that I create, and then there is all these talented and beautiful authors and comic book artists who complete this universe with their stories. Hmm. Right? He always prioritizes, and there's evidence in there, I bring examples all the time, where he would take something that he enjoyed from expanded universe, make it his own, and rework it, change it, retcon it, whatever he wanted to do. It's his, It was his thing to play around with. And I just, for me... It, it got so tiring at one point of people focusing on the wrong things. Instead of focusing on things that we enjoy, that we like, and that unites us, people are, it feels like what Joe Rogan and podcasters, guests that he invites to talk about is that people seem to thrive on conflict and they enjoy talking shit more than talking positive things. And they enjoy taking out their frustrations of coming back from long day's work and and cursing somebody out because he didn't understand their two lines of comments they were making on a Star Wars forum. Hmm. You know, when I got the pleasure and honor of interviewing Kenneth Flint, the guy who wrote the self-published Heart of the Jedi novel, right? It was the first Legends book which was self-published in six years. It came out in in 2015, self-published on the internet, and then it was briefly seen on Amazon this year that made some incredible sales and went out of print. When I talked to him and I said, Mr. Kenneth, what do you feel about modern fans and their opinions and like social media and people get to interact? And he goes like, well, you know, I never listened to criticism of my books because if you don't write books, what business have you? professionally critiquing books, right? And second of all, you know, yes, you can have your opinion and you shouldn't buy my books if you don't like them. I'm writing books for my fans, clearly, for people who like this stuff. And he said, I feel it's quite presumptuous and arrogant when people are making their uh, opinions known to the world. Well, I feel this. And, you know, they obviously have to bang the table or whatever surfaces in the vicinity. I feel this way. You know, it's so arrogant to believe. Just today, look, I released this little stupid meme where I'm comparing uh, uh, Luke Skywalker's training session versus Ray's uh, training session. 
And I said, they're very two alike. And it all depends on the perspective of the audience of the person who is interpreting these events. If you don't feel that this particular movie doesn't work, it's good. I understand that, that it doesn't work for you. It has, your opinion has all the right in the world to exist next to mine, mm-hmm. right? My opinion also matters and you don't hold the truth and neither do I. Let's have a discourse and that's the origin of my channel. Bring people around the round table and have a discussion. And that's why I love having you on. That's why I like having Josh on. I like to engage people in a conversation who disagree with me so I can understand their perspective, so I can understand their worldview. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you started off with your, like, Star Wars channel and things, like, the way it is now, did you did you expect it to be that way when you first started? And have you got sort of plans uh, where to go from here? Or are you just kind of being like, I'm really to what I feel like. Like, what, what sort of, if there is a plan at all? All I wanted to do was uh, um, start talking about Star Wars Legends and Canon books and to demonstrate that to an old dog reader like myself, there really isn't difference. It's, mm-hmm. I always pick and choose what I like about Legends and I always pick and choose about Canon by investigating all of them. Mm-hmm. Every book that I talk about on my channel, I've read. Some of them I like, some of them dislike, and I want to paint a a picture of that Legends wasn't this immaculate ideal thing, perfectly canonical, perfectly supervised by Lucas, all perfect before the Disney took over him. I'm basically imitating, once again, my inner (laughs) method acting, you know, modern fans. I'm painting the picture that with somebody who grew up reading this stuff is that it's always nuanced and fans' interpretations and fans' reactions were always layered. and for example, the huge Yuzong Vam War, the epic New Jedi Order 19 book series was divisive, you know, divisive. It was, it was uh, polarizing. Some fans liked it. Some fans didn't. Some fans felt it was too dark, too greedy, too sci-fi for Star Wars. Other fans felt like this is exactly what Star Wars needed to break new ground and try something different. And that's exactly what it does. Mm-hmm. Some people felt like, you know, the the solo twins that we see in Legends and uh, a young Jason Solo's journey is much more impactful than the new Disney stuff. And that's what they should focus on and so forth. And I, I invite those fans and say, look, hey, guys, I, I'm kind of like one of your crowd. I'm the Legends dude. I read this stuff. I cherish it. I, lo- I know all those authors. But I also checked out this stuff over here. Mm-hmm. And some new authors, also good, and Claudia Gray and Charles Soule and Kevin Scott and all these guys and Jason Fry, they're kicking ass too. Check it out. And, you know, it's like it's it just irked me hearing all this High Republic nonsense. I'm like, I'm going to start a channel that first and foremost will talk about the books and let me see what else snowballs and comes out of it. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things I always encourage people uh, to – start podcasts or start youtube channels or anything like that because you know don't neither yourself or me or any of our friends or things have started for this reason but just to clarify the meaning is that we're not doing this to become rich and famous if that happened that would be delightful if we could make enough money to live on youtube and podcasting and become famous enough to be able to talk to all these incredible individuals involved with styles and that sort of thing that would be amazing that's not why we do it. We do it because we're yeah. passionate about these things and we want to start a conversation. And one of the things I found specifically that I didn't necessarily consider as much when I started, especially the Star Wars podcast, mm-hmm. was how much when I started the channel, it's made me enjoy Star Wars more 
because mm. where I've got this thing where because I've got the the channel and I'm like okay what well, you know when before I spoke to Claudia Gray there was one Claudia Gray book that I hadn't read and that was Leia Princess of Alderaan and I was like I'm not that interested by Princess Leia especially a prequel before A New Hope because I was like I know where she's going to go with this uh not i like leia as a character i prefer her when she's older as opposed to when she's younger it's a young adult novel so i have my presumptions over it even though i'd already read her other young adult books which were excellent like lost stars and also her other adult novels bloodline and uh master and apprentice at that time which are both excellent too so i picked it up and i was like okay i'll give it a go i couldn't put it down i finished that book probably quicker than any of her other books apart from maybe not lost stars because that blew me away as well but like I'm so happy I read that, but I wouldn't have read that unless I was going to speak with Claudia Gray. And it's the same with comics. There's been comics I'm like, I'm not interested by Target Vader. Like, what, some bounty hunters trying to kill Vader, you know, around the time of A New Hope that are clearly going to fail because obviously we know when Vader dies. And then I read it and I was like, oh, Dengar's really cool in this. Oh, Valance, he's a cool character, quite interesting. Oh, he was in that Han Solo Imperial Cadet comic that I probably wouldn't have read if I wasn't doing the channel. Oh, there's this new series, Bounty Hunters. If I wasn't doing the War of the Bounty Hunters on my channel, I may not have even picked up a series called Bounty Hunters because I wasn't yeah. as intrigued by them. But then because of the sh- the channel and stuff and because of the show that I do, I've yeah. had to go out and try all these things in the canon that I may not have picked up before. It's really enthralled me. And I wonder if you've experienced something similar where it's kind of reignited some of your uh, loves of Star Wars and you've tried like different things. Uh, specifically with my channel or mm. reading books in general? Uh, let's go with your channel, first of all. With channel, not really, because I'm already um, imprisoned in a Star Wars world for life. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like <laughs> when my brother was starting his channel and i'm like what should i start my channel but he's like are you kidding me dude star wars is like you live star wars like that's what, that's, that's what you make a channel there's no question about it uh no it's channel no I, i'm i'm deeply what the channel made me more cognitive of is being more structured with my language when i talk about star wars for example when i started doing these shorts I started doing them as an exercise for myself because I'm not a very techie per- uh, person when it comes to like military t- terminology or like equipment and you know, XYZ, you know, cannon engines or shield generators, this and that, all, all those specs. I'm a dummy when it comes to that. So that's why I don't play video games like Battlefield or Call of Duty. I get lost in them. Hmm. But when I started doing shorts and I, you go to a Wikipedia page, let's say today I'm doing a video on technology, right? shield generators or i just recently did the one on AT-AT walker i want to sound like encyclopedia i want to know exactly what i'm talking about i know exactly what the term for this particular great shield what it protects this vehicle against what's the capability of the armaments what what, what are the cannons for what kind of tactical deployments would the empire use this vehicle in it made me a lot more knowledgeable there and i no longer just look at the screen oh look man it's the walkers like we, we as the kids in russia we used to call atst walkers chicken walkers mm, yeah. as they look like chicks we're like yeah. oh look it's a it's a chicken walker now nah, i know my specs i like so i feel like that's under my belt i'm like i can talk with expertise about these particulars now mm, yeah i feel like my my understanding of canon and connections has helped a lot like with species primarily like when i started the channel i knew like a small handful you know everyone knows what a wookie is uh, and most people know what a twi'lek is 
And then there's a few others that people, uh, you know, Kaminoans are a bit more, but then you, and Trandoshan, but then you get into sort of the weirder species, you know, that it's like, oh, the Shagrians, or you go into, you know, some of the depths of like, okay, well, you've got the Duros and look like this, and then you've got the Quermians, and the Quermians, although they look like Kaminoans, actually come from, they've got the common ancestry with the Duros and things. And it's like, Nemoidians, I know, you know, with Newt Gunray and things. And because with my show, I like to, what I try and do is I read through a thing and whenever I have to like go, oh, I recognize that person. And then you look it up on normally Wikipedia or I've got quite a lot of reference books as well that I check out and things. Yeah. And when I check those things and I go, oh man, this is quite a cool, fun fact. This is like an, an annotation, you know, and that's how I structure my notes for the show. And then that's how I do it when I read it. So and read it out to uh, like explain to people what the plot is and things and the obviously connections. That's the point of the show. Yeah. And so it adds for me because then I'm like, Oh yeah, what is that thing? And I now I know I recognize. So when I'm reading it, I don't need to necessarily know. And I'm like, oh, and this is blah 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 because he's this and that. And then I tell people like, I d- I know a lot about Star Wars, but I'm like, I don't know the most about Star Wars. People know way more than me. And then, yeah. which is still true. But then I hang out with everyone else I know outside of the Star Wars podcasting realm, and they're like, Mike, what's this and what's that? And you go blah 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 blah, and they go, yeah, right? How do you know all that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know that much. I mean, I don't even know, you know the. I don't even know the specs or the difference between those two ships over there. It's like, I don't even know what the names of those ships are. It's like, oh, I don't know this. <laughs> I don't know anything, man. I feel like I'm such a noob. And, you know, I would listen to somebody like Star Wars Theory or uh, Star Wars Explained, hmm. and I catch stuff that they're stumbling on. I'm like, oh, he had to research that too? Hmm. I guess I'm not that stupid. <laughs> I know my, I know my Star Wars ABCs. Okay. I kind of like pat myself on the shoulder. Like, okay, I know my stuff. All right. But no, every time, like every day, there's so much to learn. It's either stuff I forget because you can start compartmentalizing when you read so much. Like between 40K and Dungeons and Dragons and Dragonlance and all that stuff, you can't start remembering all those names, planet names and factions. You kind of like put put them in the back of your mind. And when somebody starts asking me a Star Wars question, I got to go and reference quick. I know this stuff, but Mm. I need to refresh my memory. Like if yeah. we're talking about what is the Katana fleet, I'm like, oh, Katana fleet, the, the fleet that, you know, Admiral Thrawn was looking for. What was the time period and what, what were parties involved? Then you start like going deeper into it. I used to always go, I, I still do. I go down rabbit, uh, Wikipedia <clears throat> and Google rabbit holes anyway when it's something. Yeah. Uh, the, whenever a word comes up, I don't understand. I'm always defining it. And then I'm like, that looks like another word. And then I look up the history of the, the word and things. And then now Star Wars, it's like whenever something comes up, like one thing, I was doing quite a lot when I was reading the High Republic books was when there was a species that would come up, I would often look up on my phone and I'd be like, okay, I know. Is that species? Mm -hmm. Like, is this? And then you go and you go, oh yeah, this species is blah, blah, blah. And other, you know, famous members of this species are that. And I go, okay, helps me visualize the High Republic stuff a bit more. And so I want to ask you um, a question, which is fairly abstract in certain ways, which is what is Star Wars to you? And you can interpret that question however you kind of want. But for you, for you to describe what Star Wars is to you, how would you vocalize that? Luke Skywalker. Hmm, interesting. Um, younger Mark Hamill sort of looked like my oldest cousin. Hmm. He was like athletic. He wasn't very tall, but he was like well built. And his face—I don't know when he was younger. Very, very similar to young Mark Hamill. And every time he used to come to our house, I was like. <gasps> That's that's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> he, since childhood, personified this ultimate adventure of, of any kid, myself included, could be like him. Hmm. 
He wasn't special. He didn't have these special skills. As a kid, I never saw him or his bloodline as something that was revered before, like a noble blood or royal blood. He was a village bumpkin, something that I was growing up in a small town in Russia, right? And when you see somebody who has these humble beginnings go on this journey and attain power and and achieve all these special feats through struggle, through suffering, through perspective gained, through failure, all of that stuff. He's everything to me. To this day, when I look upon Star Wars, I seem to gravitate towards characters or heroes which are similar with him in a way that they parallel a sort of similar type of progression. Like, for example, I'm in the middle of listening to Dooku, Jedi Lost, and before Mm -hmm. that, I just finished, and today I posted the review of uh, Tempest Runner. Mm -hmm. And even though Lorna D, right, this uh, uh, High Republic uh, uh, Nihil character, who's like the storm bringer, this evil person, the book personifies her in a way, but more importantly, it gives context to her background and shows us that gives us the insight why she becomes the way that she is. Mm-hmm. What led her on this path where Luke, Luke's route took him to the good side, her route took her to the bad side. And she's not even a Jedi. But the point is, watching that progression of a character and the journey that they make, I still see Luke in that. I see that template that established through Luke's character. You know, I always loved Harrison Ford. Obviously, all the kids knew him in Russia as the famous Indiana Jones movies and all the other movies that he has done. Carrie Fisher, we weren't very familiar with because we didn't have any other movies with her but Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see. It was always four to me. It was never three heroes. You know, because Billy D. Williams, even though he shows up in the second film, right, of the trilogy, it was always the big four with us kids. It was never the big three. But for me, I always looked up to Luke, him on Dagobah, him learning about the Force. He carries the torch in that trilogy. He's the one who delivers the rebellion. Mm-hmm. So he is Star Wars to me. That's a very interesting answer. Because with it's one of the things where, as I said earlier, like because the Star Wars connected universe, I feel like for me, there's a there's an element of me. I've always been a either a completionist or a collector they're both two things that have been common in my life you know i've got over 500 dvds uh, i've got like over 100 blu-rays i've got vinyls i've got um like little figurines and things i've uh got the moment it's mainly star wars comics and because i'm trying to get every single canon star wars comic uh, i'm gonna I mean, with IDW stuff, it's a little bit harder and I don't want to read necessarily every single IDW comic because a lot of it is anthology stuff and uh, aimed at a younger audience, so not uh, not like top tier on my to-do list. But with the High Republic era coming out especially, it was something I was quite interested by and I was like, oh, maybe I'll give that a go. Mm -hmm. And then Light of the Jedi came out and I read that and I was like, this is probably the best, not only the best Star Wars book I've read, but this is probably the top 10 best books I've ever read. I think this is just phenomenal. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll give a couple of the other ones a read. And I read, um, I read Into the Dark, and I was like, that, that's really good. It's a good Claudio Gray book. It wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it as much as some of our other stuff, but I did really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But then the weird thing for me was when I picked up the Junior book, just as like a, it's almost like on a whim. It was it was really cheap somewhere, like um, months after. I wasn't necessarily like I was having an hour. I was like, should I read all High Republic? Should I not? I've read all the comics, and I picked up the Junior novel, and it was amazing as well. And I was like. How? 
what and, and it's got like some pictures in which i really appreciated mm-hmm. uh, as well and it felt like you know i was achieving a lot when i read it and now that i've got the physical books i'm just like when the next wave came out so with the rising storm out of the shadows and race to crash point tower i did the same thing again but i was like but i need to buy these ones and then i actually read the junior novel f- before the young adult novel so i read the adult one young uh, junior and now i'm on the young adult and i'm just getting that completionist feel of me again where i'm just like i want to have all the high republic books i want to own them all on a nice bookshelf and things and um, me and my girlfriend we're trying to get a house and we had a, an offer accepted just like yesterday or the day before so we should be getting a house oh, next, nice. like in the next I'm few glad, months man. and things thank you so i'm very excited about that and we've been talking we want to have shelves up and she's gonna have a lot of our cookbooks up and i'm gonna have these because the, the high republic books the the print on the um the spines and things they're just beautiful and i just yeah. want to have them on show and now i'm getting that thing where i'm collecting stuff it's adding to this modern mythology. It's supporting, you know, these authors that have put their so much work into these uh, elements and things. It's adding to my podcast, which is my passion as well. And I'm getting to get introduced to so many more people such as yourself. All that stems from me just really liking Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's incredible. So it's a, it's a collector in you. In that respect, we're very similar. I also enjoy, I am a completionist and I love collecting, but I've... And I, I love to preserve my stuff in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not going to be well-maintained, I don't collect. But I'm also very practical about what I collect. Like with books, I don't get any of these, you know, like limited run or out of print editions or mega collection. This, I'm like, no, no, no. Give me the stuff that was on the shelf in the regular bookstore. Mm-hmm. That's the part of history I want to be behind. I don't want anything special. I don't want anything extraordinary. And I want it to be practical. Like the only Star Wars things that I collect, I either books or video games because I put them to use. Hmm. Only reason I have those figurines is because I use them for my little photography project. But for me, Star Wars is something that I consume, some, not something that I display. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So in that respect, we're different. Yeah, that's that's completely fair enough. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I've always been someone like I mean, right there, like you can't see because the the laptop thing. But I've got some uh, Funko Pop things there as well. I've got Lego all around me and things. But I the if it, I do consume a, quite a lot of other content uh, digitally. So, for example, you know the audio books. For example, I'm not going to buy every Star Wars book. I'm not going to own every Star Wars book. It's, it's just yeah. there's too many. Especially when you go into Legends, it's, it's insanity. There's so many of them. I don't have space for that, and I can only consume so much. So I I try. I won't buy something unless I have a specific intent on reading it, or if it's a DVD or something, or specifically watching it. But with the High Republic, it's like reading digitally. I prefer having a physical book when it's a normal book. But yes. when it's comics, I like having it physically when I first get it because I read it. And then when I do the podcast, I do it digitally. I've got Marvel Unlimited. And so it's just easier when I'm talking into a microphone to scroll on an iPad rather than, you know, having to turn a page and edit out the sound of me turning a page and stuff. And one of the things with um, with the other Marvel comics though and stuff is I don't own pretty much any Marvel comics apart from a couple of Deadpool ones because the Marvel Unlimited that there's so many trying to get everything yeah yeah and trying to if you're trying to collect every spider-man run of literally just the run the amazing spider-man they're past issue 900 
it's it's there's no point even starting not with, including the amazing spider-man the ultimate spider-man the, like the, all the different uh, variations the web of, of spider-man and then yeah. you've got ben Riley spider-man yeah there's, there's a ridiculous amount so it's like trying to buy them when i've just got them on marvel unlimited i'll flip between series pick out the storylines that i want that's fine but with the, the main reason i've done it with the high republic because i haven't done it with the other star wars books um i did it with all the claudia grace because you only had like five so i was like okay that's no quite nice and easy and um, Hopefully one day she'll come to the UK and I can get to sign some stuff. Um, but with the High Republic, the way because it's at the start of I, I, I was already into Star Wars when it started, it's easy to just keep caught up. Whereas when you're trying to go back, like with the the comics, for example, that was slightly more difficult. But after Doctor when Doctor Afro One came out, that was 2016. Well, the comics only started 2015. So I only had to buy a handful of comics and then I just had to keep buying the comics that I was getting and things and just every new series that come out just add to my basket. And so over time, it's little bits, but it's easy when you start from the start. But like Legends, I'm never going to consume all of Legends. I think I'd need to just not have a job and just be paid to do it. And then I could maybe, (laughs) because there's so much. (laughs) Look, when when we grow our YouTubes to that gazillion views and we become Mm. like, these mongrels who just uh, thrive on on having podcasts, and maybe yes. But I think at this point, uh, the way that I collect old school uh, uh, Dark Horse era comics is volumes when they release, mm. and only hardcover. I don't even collect softcover ones because I know they get damaged. I want it to be on a practical side where it can like live there. So when I did a couple of videos where I show fans my collections, what I have, all of my comic books that I own are all hardcovers only. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, I love that because mine are—I I, most of mine are individual issues, but I've got them specifically bagged and boarded. Like as soon as I get them, as soon as they come, get, they get delivered by a Forbidden Planet. I order from them, so I get like now. Wait, you guys have Forbidden Planet too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why oh, I get nice. all my comics every every month. They're the main comic book supply because I haven't. There's one or two local comic book stores, but I, I need. Uh, with the Forbidden Planet, I just get them delivered, the, you know, and it's just, I've always been kind of ordering with them and stuff. So I get them and every month now it's like eight or nine comics from them. Just this, thing. I get the one email and it's like subscriptions a couple months ago and I forget about it. And then I get an email, these have been dispatched and I get them and I don't pay for them to bag and board. I do it myself. So it's a nice little ritual where I get, get my new comics. And then in the evening, I'm like, yes, and I take them all I out, look at them, exactly. slide them in. When, and oh, lovely. When you said the ritual, you remind me of my, 13 plus years of like managing a local comic book store where we had to bag and board them every Wednesday. Mm. So believe it or not, I did collect all the new Marvel run of comic books of Star Wars Mm. from 2015 through, I believe, 2017. I still have all my individual issues of all the original Vader, Afro run. But uh, at one point, I was disillusioned with the new Marvel comics and uh, I had a period where I was like appreciating it from kind of far, like Mm -hmm. uh, maybe later. There was a point where I was like, uh, these guys don't understand what they're doing. Like, I'm gonna gonna hit pause on this. There were always mini series, but I liked here and there. But like, let me come back a little bit and support a little of the Dark Horse era stuff that I like. And I also went to Forbidden Planet here in uh, Manhattan and picked up books maybe four or five years ago in hardcover, like original Thrawn trilogy. Which seems like it's out of print now. They're like going for five, six hundred dollars. I'm like, oh, I guess I lucked out <laughs> on time. <laughs> like, okay, I'll hold on to those. It is funny what you say with the comics, though, as well, because I actually did fall out of the the Marvel Star Wars comics a little bit as well. And it's now 
It's annoying looking back on it because now my collection is like almost all of it is individual issues, but there's a few trade paperbacks. Um, there's just the, the, the soft, whoop, softish cover, um, but the collections and volumes. Mm-hmm. And the annoying thing is, is that, yeah, from with the Afro stuff 2016, I collected from there and Star Wars was on issue 34 at that point. So I've got from issue 34 of Star Wars up to issue, the, the run f- finishes at 75, but I stopped around 60-ish. And then I managed to just get up to like 65. But then the last two, I just yeah. got the volumes again. And there were just a few Star Wars comics because before I started the podcast, but after I'd already been reading some of the Star Wars comics, I was like, oh, Dr. Hafford's great and this is great and this is great. But then I wanted to move out and save a bit of money and things. And I was looking at places to save money. And I was like, I don't need to be spending 30-ish pounds a month on all these comics when there was the Age of the Rebellion stuff that was coming out. And they were all just one individual story about like characters from, there was the Rebellion Resistance and um republic S- side stories really yeah and a couple of them are really cool i love the qui-gon yeah. one i love yeah. there's a couple that are really really good the grievous one's really interesting but the problem is there's a couple but a lot of them are just okay you just read it and you go this didn't add anything to the character you know especially with like with the anakin skywalker one it's like i don't need a one-shot comic about anakin you've got you know six movies about him basically and all of the clone wars which is basically about him ahsoka and obi-wan so i don't need a a 30 page story that's just yeah. self-contained because there can't be any proper repercussions of it it can't have any massive effects when it's the smaller characters that don't get much time like almost count dooku in some ways i know he got quite a lot in uh, the clone wars and then dooku jedi lost but seeing more about him because i'm intrigued but i would have loved one on like the side characters like asage ventress you know but she was in like one tiny short story and yeah. it was and and so i was just like eh, and the main run of star wars is getting a bit stale for me and i was enjoying afra so i think i continued with that but then i trailed off that at one point as well i was constantly collecting all the vader ones yeah and then when i started the channel well the podcast i um i was like okay well, i need to i've got almost every canon comic i might as well just buy the rest so mm-hmm. that's where my collection is yeah well we are getting near the end here now because we've been nattering on for well off off record two hours on record just under um so <laughs> are there any final thoughts you want to just tackle before we sort of wrap up um obviously i'll let you do all your plugs and things but is there any sort of final words before we get into the full outro no uh, look yeah there's a couple of things i want to say first of all thank you for having me it was tons of fun I delight like in talking to you every time. First of all, like you're so casual about it and you seem to have like you know a way like being a good host and conversating with people. Even when I interview you, you like you're so casual about it and there's this constant and fluid exchange of ideas that I just love. I think that's something that Star Wars fandom could, could use a little bit more of. Thank you're you. Hearing the other side, right? And yeah, it's. I think both and I are focused on the things that really matter. It's like celebrate what you love about Star Wars, right? And and there's always things that you could put aside if you don't enjoy and never say no to something, right? Because you might gain a new perspective and you might change and come around. I mean, there's this such a miraculous thing of talking to a Star Wars friend who admits to you that, look, at first I looked at The Last Jedi and I hated it. And sort of like I looked at it with these new eyes a year later or so, and now I love it. Or even if you still say, I don't love it, tell me why. It's like it's, it's, it should be a, a point of interest, not, not something, a, a tool used to like lash out on, on different fans, right? Mm-hmm. We could all come together and talk about it. And I think that's what makes 
the franchise interesting. That's what makes the fandom interesting is when you have all of these little orbits, mm-hmm. right? The fans that come with their own different worldviews and perspectives and all get to participate and say, well, I like, I thought the Clone Wars was the height of, you know, the stars because it did this. Or I like this character over here. Or I like this comic book artist over there. And it's it's an exchange of ideas. That's what Star Wars should be. It should never be about... Well, let me explain to you why this movie did A, B, and C, and there's a rational reason why this doesn't work and why my childhood is now ruined. Like, it's, dude, it's like, move aside with this stuff, right? It's like, who are you talking to? We're all adults here, right? We all have a perspective. And it's like, the only person you're convincing with this type of language is yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. That's that's the reason that I started my channel. That's the reason I I see a lot of stuff in you, the podcast that I get to check out. I I sat down and I listened. I'll be honest with you, from start to finish, it's for somebody who creates content all day long. I'll be honest with you, I'm the kind of asshole who doesn't dedicate enough time to listening to other fans' podcasts like yours. But the one that I just clicked on as I was working on my own graphic and listening from start to finish is you and Paul Vanellis chat about his comic book run. Hmm. And it came full circle. When I, I just finished reading all of these comic books, I'm like, oh, shoot. I know what Mike was talking about. He's like, because you, you, you were kind of like encouraged. Like, hey, Ben, check out all these comic books. We're going to talk about them. Paul Villanelli, Paul. And you're, you're throwing his name around. And I'm reading the books. I'm like, Wait, but I already know this guy from the previous book, The Fallen Jedi Fallen Order, that I already read. I know this guy. Mm. I love him. I'm excited about the Marvel comic books again. So all of it comes full circle. That's mm. the point of, of being a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I agree. And as you've put it amicably, you know, there are many, many flaws in Star Wars. That's just yeah. but with yeah. the characters, with certain films, you know, you and I both have different views on certain elements of Star Wars, but you know, the prequels are heavily, heavily flawed movies, but I still love them, and I think they have some yeah. of the coolest moments in Star Wars in them. The sequel, tri- the sequels, I have, I think, have some incredible moments as well. I also think they are heavily, heavily flawed, but in very, very different ways to the prequels, in almost yeah. opposite, opposite ways uh, mm-hmm. to the prequels. But that doesn't mean that people can't enjoy them. And one of the things I love about your show, and one of the reasons I encourage anyone listening to go check out your show, is just you, you, know, you have the same sort of you and I have the similar mindsets, which is we're passionate. We want to talk about people who are passionate and you don't mm-hmm. have to necessarily be positive in a sense of everything about Star Wars is good, but you have to yeah. be able to be constructive with your criticism about it and respectful of other people's opinions and be open to things and be open to potentially having your mind changed. You don't have to change your mind on everything, but be receptive to that idea. And yeah. when you meet content creators who are like that, it just means that the conversations with yourself, like I-, I love chatting with you as well. It's so easy and so fun and enjoyable. And when you have someone who is so open like you are and open with your opinion and your readiness to accept someone else's, it makes it so much easier as both a listener, but also someone who is involved in the show and speaking with you to have that interaction. So I want to thank you as well for uh, assisting with that kind of environment that I sort of no, no, no. love. It's, it's always a pleasure. I'm telling you, the moment that I saw your content and the moment that you came over, we started doing a podcast, I knew there's a sort of kind of like a mature seasoned mentality that I'm encountering. And that's the excitement. It's like, oh, let me start. And you, know, when you talk, when you need meet a new person, you say, hi, my name is Ben. And you start interacting. It's almost like you're chiseling a new uh 
uh, uh, sculpture out of like, mm. you know, like a piece of rock and like you start finding out who that person is. And the more I talk to you, the more I realize like you also have this kind of like settled, more mature look that I think comes with years. You know, mm. like when you're in a, you're in your twenties, you're more of a, like a, have a maximalist kind of like approach and everything is between two extreme. Everything is either complete shit <laughs> or everything is like, oh, balls. This movie was the greatest movie I've ever seen. That's what, you, that's the younger man's territory. Yeah. Like when you, you're in your, you're 29, I'm, I'm like, I hit 40 this year. You become like more comfortable with yourself. You, because I was there too. I used to be one of these guys like, prequels are shit, man. Like, I hate them. <laughs> when you're in your 20s and then like you settle down, like, oh, okay, peace out, man. Let's, 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 not, be, <laughs> let's not take all of the everything that, that people say literally and just like absorb it all. And you know what's funny? When you don't feel get intimidated by, by other people and don't cave into bickering hmm. and in insults and you still talk to people, they generally come around. Yeah. They're like, oh, like just today, like on the same thing, he wrote a whole article about why the, this movie is bad. And I said, well, it's a matter of perspective. And I explained why. He was like, you know what? I respect you. I'm like, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, we'll get you to the, do your plugs and things. I said, it's always delightful to speak with you. And I will confess, like I've listened to a fair amount of your episodes, but I haven't listened to all of them. I don't expect you to listen to all of mine or anyone for that matter, because there's a ton of great content out there uh, for people to seek your teeth into. And when you are a content creator, such as yourself or myself, you put so much time and energy into creating content yeah is you there's only a certain amount of time one has to actually be able to listen to other things you know i have to try and not i have to withdraw from listening to joe rogan podcasts too much because they're three hours long and i can listen to like three or four sort of smaller podcasters conversations that are equally as uh interesting than this massive behemoth podcaster so i know there's loads of things and obviously you know i love music and movies and stuff mm -hmm. there's just not enough time for it all so you never need to apologize for uh, not listening to if you never listened or consumed any of my content again it would be fine because we're friends and i love chatting with you anyway but please tell people where they can find you i'll put links in the description to twitter and stuff mm -hmm. but one more time tell people where they can find you what you're all about and we will hang up this call sure guys if you want to check out my star wars group at star wars timeline where we try to have a discourse and try not to be the zuckenbergs of facebook of star wars and police every word we encourage people to have a debate a conversation so long as you do it respectfully if you want a star wars face group that's not toxic star wars timeline uh my twitter i basically just throw shit on it <laughs> swt underscore channel is where i just like oh what is this youtube thing i don't even take it seriously and of course the main page is on youtube star wars timeline guys come over and check out me talking to this guy who invites me over to his podcast I, I, I'm telling you, just sincerely, there's a there's a difference between people who join tribes or cults, or, or are yes men, and because and they rally behind a poor or idea because they want to stand up with the crown and wave their fists, and there's a group of people who sit down at the right table and enjoy each other's company. Like I'm telling you, like from the first podcast, like I'm, I'm enjoying talking to this dude. Like I would never thought about three or even four years ago that I would ever speak extensively about prequels and have fun doing so. This is the, we are living like my boy, uh, Josh says at Star Wars on high is another wonderful, wonderful, uh, YouTube channel who's also very level headed like you and I. If we get to do it three ways someday, it will be wonderful. But it's like you come in to somebody and you talk about 
prequels in such a way. I swear to you, like after I turn off, I'm like, I think I'm going to go watch episode one now. Like you're excited. <laughs> it makes you excited for this thing all over again. It, it reminds you that we're living in the best year of Star Wars that it has ever been. Mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett is coming out. Next year, we're getting the Bad Batch uh, season two. We're getting, you know, Kenobi. There's so much content coming out, guys. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Don't be at each other's throats. Yeah. And if you don't like the new stuff, they're re-releasing all the legend stuff with really nice, uh, beautiful artwork, incredible yeah. sets. I think if I ever won the lottery or something, I would just have a huge collection because they're so beautiful. <laughs> it's even yeah. like Shatterpoint. I've been listening to that on Audi- Audible. I don't need to buy it. And it's quite yeah. an intense novel. I don't want to reread it again anytime soon, but I just, that cover, it's, it's so, so good. The art, Beautiful, man. And the whole, oh, yeah, I might have to buy the Darth Bane ones. I might have to convince yeah. myself uh, to just invent more time. Invent another day of the week. I'll magically exactly. make that happen just for Star Wars reading. That'll be it. Um, but yeah, delightful chatting with you as always, Ben. I really appreciate Likewise. it. I'll include links in the description to everything, including our many conversations as well that we've had on your channel. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll... Uh, have many many more podcasts to come so um i'll stop the recording here so thanks again ben i appreciate it take care guys cheers and thanks for having me on (laughs) cheers (laughs) no no wait wait wait. hold on hold on let me access the the method acting and do correct me because i want to get it right because there's like this very pronounced way of doing it that sounds cartoonish almost and there's like cheers (laughs) is is that close because in 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 Russia, they did teach us the proper like English accent, and I lost it when I like moved to America. You know, we didn't say further; we said father. Mm. Yeah, right. Oh, like America, it's eh. <laughs> yeah. it champion is champion. champion. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there's no right English way. I mean, with because they're dialects, right? Well, yeah, because yeah, it's basically like in America, where you've got relatively every state has its own slight variation, or some states major variations on how they speak American English. And in England, although our continent is substantially smaller, we have like a fifth of the population um, of the yeah, a fifth of the population of the whole of America. So mm-hmm. it's like we've got that in a much smaller space. So you only travel two hours north, and the accents are completely different. <laughs> so it's just it's similar <laughs> things. You just go down to Cornwall. That's only three hours away from me, but everyone's got a different accent to me. Uh, Can and you I'm, say it like in a, like in your casual tone? What? Uh, cheers. 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 <laughs> I do, when I say things too frequently, cheers. like I can't say like you know push and pull. My friends mock me because I don't say pull properly because it sounds like I'm saying P L L. I'm missing out the U. Pull <laughs> instead pull. of pulling pull. it. But, pulling it. Yeah. So weirdness of language, but you, you do, you're getting better with your cheers. You're getting there. <laughs> someday, someday. You'll be no, there one day. <laughs> it, it honestly felt like I'm looking at the sign, like, no way two hours have passed. I, f- I felt we're like in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I see it's been two hours already. I feel like it's only been yeah. 45 minutes. But this is where I'll stop the recording. So thank you again, Ben. Cheers. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I said in the intro, make sure you check out Ben's YouTube channel, Star Wars Timeline. A link to that is in the description. And a good place to start with his channel is to check out my four appearances on his show. I did one about the all trilogies in Star Wars, so the three of them. And then we did like a breakdown of each of the individual Star Wars sequels films. Uh, So four episodes there. Links are in the description. You can check that out. And then if you enjoy those conversations, make sure you subscribe to Star Wars Timeline. It is a lot of fun.
In the same vein as that, I have had many conversations that relate to Star Wars as well. I spoke with Claudia Gray in December of 2020, who is a Star Wars author. She's currently writing for The High Republic as well. And I also spoke with Dominic Pace of The Mandalorian. He was in Series 1 of that, and that was earlier in 2021 that he came on the show, along with my friend Glyn. And then there's also, I spoke with Alex and Molly of Styles Explained, who are also YouTubers, and that was released a couple months ago. And I've also spoken with Paolo Villanelli, who is a comic book artist for the Bounty Hunters run of Styles Comics. They're in the canon at the moment. And we had a good conversation about, you know, what it's like working as a comic artist in the industry, what it's like working with Marvel, those sorts of things. So there's loads of different ways you can listen to me talking to someone about Star Wars. And in addition to that, you can also check out YouTube because if you go to my YouTube channel and you subscribe to that it will really help me out because I want to get those subscribers up past 100 so I can change the channel link name. I know almost no one listens on YouTube especially compared to how many of you listen audio wise which is why I keep harping on about it because if just a small percent of you listeners did subscribe then I would surpass the 100 mark very easily. Um, But on YouTube I have got everything in playlists so there's conversations I've had with people about Star Wars, there's also conversations with other podcasters, there's conversations about religion and spirituality or relationships or social mental and political things there's a wide berth of playlists that i've got there that so almost every conversation i think that i have on this show is in two playlists all of them are in at least one but also on youtube you can catch all my star wars episodes as well as well as a few other bits and pieces over there too so please consider checking out youtube please subscribe to this feed uh, in the usual sort of vein of things please rate review share with your friends you know talk to people about it you can now rate on spotify you just have to do a five star or a out of five star rating you don't even have to write anything so if someone is listening on spotify please Please give my show a five-star review. That would be wonderful. But also you can give a written review on Good Pods or Podcast Addict or Apple Podcasts and those sort of things really help the show out. But if you can want to help the show out in a different way, you can support the show financially going to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat where I release a ton of bonus content. There's at least one episode of Afterthoughts there released every week. Also when part two of episodes drop like this week, I'll release another episode on there as well. And me and Megan record stuff on there for road trips. I've done a couple of comic things i'm starting to do some star wars book reviews on there that i don't release on the star wars comics and canon feed there's loads of different things i'm releasing on there and there's just hours and hours and hours of additional content so if you want to hear loads more stuff from me and also from megan and you also want to hear you know movie and tv reviews but also just a look into our lives and how we communicate with each other and some of the silly conversations that we have as well as additional bonus things like road trips and stuff and you want to support the show then please go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat as it would mean the absolute world to me and it would be a lovely end to 2021. So aside from that, guys, all that's left to say is check out the show notes because it's where I've been guesting on episodes recently. There's lots of different things in there. And also for 2022, I'm going to be doing quite a few different things. I've got Chris Brayton from the Like to Like Things podcast. He's meant to be coming on in January. Brad Sugars is meant to be returning early next year. I've got a plan for on the Comics and Motion feed to do a week-by-week discussion on the Book of Boba Fett episodes. I've also got plans for other returning guests to come on the show. Uh, I think I just mentioned I've got Goff of Beer Nuts Production he's going to be coming on I think he's the first show of next year and you know I've got certain guests that are either adjacent to me who've collaborated with friends of mine or there's people I've never spoken to before that I want to have on the show and a couple of returning guests I've had on so there's loads of reasons to subscribe to Genuine Chit Chat for 2022 there's going to be a huge amount of amazing conversations on there so uh, please consider subscribing rate review share with your friends subscribe on Patreon rate review do everything rate review I'm trying to get some liminal messaging in there if I say rate and review quick enough many times 
someone will just cave and rate and review. Although if you listen to these shows, I'm still going to keep saying it. So please, everyone in the whole world, rate and review Genuine Chit Chat. It would mean the world to me. But I hope you guys have a wonderful end to 2021. I hope your Christmas slash holiday season was everything that you wanted it to be. And yeah, I hope the end of 2022 is just that as well. I appreciate each and every one of you listening to this, especially right at the very end, especially at the end of the year where time is so precious. But um, yeah, hope you have a good start to 2022 and I'll talk to you guys then. So um, yeah, send you hugs and love for the end of 2021. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.